Welcome back to Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion. We are following up on our conversation with Stacy Herf with a beautiful interview with Heather Kennedy. You might remember Heather for being a talented violinist and we are excited to hear she still plays professionally. Heather has had a remarkable career in the corporate sector working at iconic companies such as Lord & Taylor, Kraft and Whole Foods. She has landed in the career of her dreams as a professor at CU Boulder, teaching marketing to graduates and undergraduate students. Heather is an avid world traveler and she's getting ready to set sail for yet another global adventure during her sabbatical with her husband this year. Heather takes us back to high school, to the time she owned a Yugo and her love of Duran Duran. Listen and enjoy. What a day. What, what, why? What's going on? Oh my gosh. I started with a 9 a.m. executive committee call and then have not been off Zoom since. And so that's just one of those days. And all is good and it's all fine. But yeah, one thing after another, it's because one call got pushed from yesterday to today. So just snowballs made the crazy a little crazier. And then uh, I just got a text from Piper and she said that their mock trial team won. And she's so excited because it's been a huge, huge thing. What are so, they litigating? It's about climate justice. And it, the human race was on trial, essentially. <laughs> she was the prosecutor. Well, and it was proven that humans are indeed. We suck. Causing climate destruction. All right. Mark's like, yeah, it's an easier side to prove. But she was up against some kids who she was really intimidated by. And she was one of the lead prosecutors. And I'm not joking. This may be a turning point in her life. She like, got so into it. Wow. So cool. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe I'll have another lawyer in the family. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the first lawyer? Is Jackson? Jackson. Oh, okay. <laughs> He is he is studying law, like his major is history, culture, and law. Right. But he is taking like the rhetoric of law right now and the history of law and all that stuff. So he's interested in that. But um, we'll see. Maybe he'll be a teacher and she'll be the lawyer. Could be. <laughs> What's going on in the in the Slade world? Um, world of Slade. I had a very busy day yesterday too. A lot of a lot of good work stuff, but um. I just don't feel like I've gotten into the groove yet. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Is this ever going to happen? <laughs> I did say when we talked a couple weeks ago that I feel like Martin Luther King day is the new year. And so yes, I was gonna it's coming. Um, and I do yeah. have more time this weekend to get things organized. So, so we'll see. But no, yeah, I so maybe things are good. Maybe next week you'll have a, your set, your, your impressive goal that you want to share. Maybe. I will tell you that I've been thinking a lot about it and I have been inspired by a couple of conversations I've had or or podcasts I've listened to, to make it something more bold and more inspiring. 
instead of something that's just kind of like, yeah, that's a thing I like to get done. Do you know what I mean? So more of a moonshot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? My, my New Year's resolution is going to be to retire in Costa Rica this year and befriend <laughs> the sloths. No, I, I don't know. We'll see. It won't, it will not be something that outlandish, but um, yeah, I've been, I'll give you a little, a little preview is that when I went back and looked at all my notes from last year, you know, month to month, the theme was, I really need to get better at setting boundaries. I really need to get better at setting boundaries. And by that, I mean, saying no to things that I don't really want to do or that somebody else could do for themselves. Um, right. And, but making a goal of setting, of being better at setting boundaries does not sound like a lot of fun. And instead, if I were to frame it around why, like what would that free me to do? Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that would be more motivating for me. Cool. Um, but what is that thing other than finding more peace in my day-to-day -day life, which is in itself a, a very worthy thing, but um, I don't know. So I'm noodling on it. Yeah. I mean, not feeling like you are running at a frenetic pace yeah. is actually one great benefit to that. Yeah. Right. Really ratcheting down the stress in my day-to-day -day life would be really awesome. Mark bought me this aura ring for Christmas. Have you seen I these? have one of those. You have one. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see how it tracks my stress level. I'm not wearing it during the day. I'm only wearing it at night because I find it clunky. Oh, well then how do you track your activity and your stress all day long? I'm not. I'm only tracking my sleep. Mm. I guess I should try that, huh? Mm. Okay. I'll start wearing it during the day. Today we get to talk to the incredible Heather Kennedy. I know. And I think it's so fun that we get to talk to her right after we talk to Stacy. Mm -hmm. They're such good friends. Mm -hmm. So that's so cool. And um, yeah. Yeah, I'm really. Tell me. So I've seen tell me Heather. About Heather. I've seen Heather relatively recently yeah. because um, we, Ian and I went to Boulder for vacation. She very generously lent me a car while we were there, um, which was awesome and gave us some good suggestions of things to do. And um, I really enjoyed meeting her and her husband and Boulder's such a cool place. Well, and she was in Austin for a long time. She so was. saw her there. You know, yeah. very rarely when she was here, actually. She worked for Whole Foods for many years. But at that point in time, we didn't run into each other very often. But yeah, she was here for quite a while. Well, I um, my my recollection of, of Heather really stems a lot from the fact that she was a member of the tennis club. Mm -hmm. and, you know, she was sort of involved in... PCA and yep. I think her dad was a tennis pro. He was. He was um, a very accomplished tennis player. And you know, it's funny. Heather is the I think the youngest of three children. She has two older brothers. Mm -hmm. And there's something about third children that I always found a little mysterious and a little intimidating. 
And it's because they had these older siblings and they always just seemed to know more and sort of exude a, a sense of like, some you know, knowing people mm -hmm. and confidence, like something that I didn't have, not only as a firstborn child, but really primarily as an only child. Mm -hmm. Oh, and here she comes. So I'm so, yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk to you about Hello, hello. Hi, How Heather. are you guys? We're doing well. <laughs> it's so nice to see you. It's great to see you. We were just I'm... reminiscing about you. Oh boy, I'm so curious <laughs> as to what that would be. Well, I, I I feel I don't mean to start this off by being self-deprecating, but I feel like I was not terribly memorable back then. I feel like I was a little shy and no. quiet. And... Well, we also we were talking about how you being the youngest of three kids, we felt like you kind of had more knowledge about living than we did. Like you can't, you, you were imbued with more confidence and more like, oh, I know how this is going to work. And that may not have been the that way it so felt funny, to you. That's what I think about you guys. <laughs> that's what I feel about you guys. I, cause I listened to your first um, episode and I really like what you said, Jessica, about that you were kind of fearless about looking silly. Mm -hmm. Like you would just try things right. that really resonated with me. I just thought you guys were so confident and that you just like sort of rolled through life. Like, like we, we're just here. We're like, we're doing it and we're not too worried about what other people think. And I just found that, um, admirable, very admirable. <laughs> well, thank you for playing along with so many of our goofy ideas. <laughs> I mean, you can't admit the scavenger hunt was like brilliant. It, it was it so was much brilliant. fun. We're going to have to I mean, resurrect that. There's a whole business set up that does that now. <laughs> you know, there's a whole business where you can like run scavenger hunts on, on some app. I mean, you guys could have, could have, could have been that company. We could have made a fortune. I mean, seriously. Before our time. We just loved talking to Stacy last week. Did you listen to the episode yet? I listened to a little bit of it and then um, I was like, okay, I have to focus on what on, on my podcast too, because I can like go off on the rambling tangents, but um, yeah, loved it. Loved it's it. been really fun Absolutely. to catch up with people. Everyone's lives are, it's, have gone in so many interesting directions. I mean, yeah. Thinking about Stacy's because that was so recent. I mean, starting in the salmon processing plant and ending up a vegan yeah. animal educator <laughs> like what what a it's, amazing. it's amazing and i actually visited her i know <laughs> i visited her in, in alaska and in whittier um, and she and i went on a fishing boat together yeah i saw the processing plant we went on a fishing <laughs> boat together um and then i i don't i can't i i skipped sort of that middle part where she was talking about becoming a vegan because i know how it happened but i went to visit her in bellingham and i was working for old foods at the time and I was like, we got to go see this movie called Food Inc. Mm. And I don't know if you guys have seen it, but mm -mm. if you haven't, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's got an agenda, but it's, it just gives you a lot of information about the food industry. Mm -hmm. And I was already kind of into that. And she saw it and said, you know, I think that was part of what, what uh, tipped her into going vegetarian mm -hmm. at least, and mm -hmm. then eventually vegan. But I admire her uh, for being able to do that because I'm not sure. I can. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it takes effort to, I was going to say to swim upstream, but given the salmon processing, yeah. perhaps that's not the right. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not that. <laughs> that's the right metaphor. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys before we get started on this, just for doing this. It has been so fun. I've only listened to maybe eight or 10 of them, but I'm planning on listening to all of them. It really is interesting to see where everyone's gone. And, and I just, I feel like between you two and Ken, you really have held our class together in a way that most classes are not mm. connected. Mm. And it's so special. I feel to have that connection with people from Albuquerque um, and from our class and, um, not to rip on any other classes, but I did notice that one particular class had their 35 year reunion recently and there were like 10 people or 15 people there. Oh. I know. And it made me sad. And I, I, it, it is, I'm just, I'm grateful to you guys. So thank you. It really is such a great well, group of people. You know, it is. It really is. And I actually, it like is. what you said is so wonderful and I really appreciate it. And I also want to say, like, when we named this podcast, Jessica and Carlos High School Reunion, we were clearly talking about the old movie, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, oh, my God, I hope nobody in our class thinks that, like, that's how we actually see this reunion coming up. God, I hope so not. Right. Y'all better be planning it, because we're not planning it. I know. Yeah, what are we doing, you guys? Where are we going? Like, figure it out. That's funny. Well, this podcast is really about us in any way. Like, I hope we will realize that, like, yes. it's just so totally. fun to hear everyone else's stories. And no, I am so excited to see everyone together and have no no claims on this reunion. I just want to put it out there and that I'm. It's really going to be a joy just to be together with everyone. So, Heather, we are so happy to have you with us today. Thank you for Thank you. This is so great. coming on to the podcast and for listening to your classmates. We are just really thrilled to have these stories out in the world. So we will start with the question. What have you been doing for the last 35 years? You know, not much. Um, <laughs> no, I would say that's a tough one. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I was not one of the first ones because I could at least think about this one a little bit, but um, I, I always tell my students, I was not the poster child for career management or career planning. <laughs> and so I feel like I have spent a lot of my, especially my twenties and thirties sort of figuring out what I enjoyed, what I liked, what I, what I wanted to do, um, how I wanted to live, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I graduated from college, I had no idea. I think there was someone else that said, you know, it is kind of interesting that the academy didn't really talk to us about job opportunities, job options or opportunities. I don't, I don't recall not that. <laughs> and certainly at TCU, they did not either, because I think there was sort of a certain impression of like what a woman might do after she graduated from college at TCU, and no one really ever talked to me about uh, jobs. And so when I graduated, you know, I, I played violin and viola quite a lot at that time. So I moved to Dallas and I became a freelance musician and um, did not make a lot of money, as you can imagine. So you continued so, to play throughout college. I did. Okay. Yeah, yes. Actually, I went to um, I went to TCU on a music scholarship, believe it or oh, not. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was, it was like a athletic scholarship, but all I had to do was play in the orchestra. It was awesome. <laughs> and, um, and I enjoyed it, but, you know, classical music, I mean, it's a tough, it's tough. Mm -hmm. You really, it has to really be the thing that you want to do above all else mm -hmm. to make that your life. Mm -hmm. And 
I just wasn't sure about that. And, and it was fun, but I was like, oh man, I, I mean, I was literally, I was worse than living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, mm-hmm. there was one point where I, you know, I'm digging in the car seats for change to put <laughs> gas in my car. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, maybe I need to get a job. So uh, if you're in the arts, you know, you either end up, uh, I feel like working in a restaurant as a waiter or waitress or um, working in retail. And so carrying a plate, I'm very accident prone. So carrying a plate was not a good idea for me. So I went into retail and um, got a job at Lord Taylor Department Store. I don't know if you guys remember Lord Taylor. Sure. And worked there for a while and um, pretty quickly just moved into a management role. And it was fun. I liked it. I, I was surprised at how much I liked it. I liked being running around. I liked being not sitting behind a desk. I was 23 years old and managing 10 people so I learned a lot from doing that and um, one day this guy walks in that I knew from an orchestra and he said um, he's like what are you doing here I'm like well I manage this department at the, at the department store <laughs> and he said oh have you ever thought about going into arts management because that feels like a better fit for you than mm. like working in retail and I think retail gets a bad rap, to be honest with you. I, I actually thought it was a really great job. Um, and I thought about it. And he's like, you know, SMU has an MBA program that's specific to um, arts management. So I looked into that and I was like, that's really expensive. And like almost cost as much per year as I would make coming out of that program per year. I was like, that does not make mm-hmm. sense. So I didn't do that. I ended up moving back to Albuquerque. I managed to structure in Winrock Mall, structure home of the six button polo. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> home of the home of the six button polo. Yes, that's when I knew that maybe corporate America was not for me because they made us answer the phone. Hi, this is Heather. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for calling Structure, home of the six button polo. <laughs> uh, it was awful. So I started thinking again. I was like, man, I may, I got to go to grad school because I have a degree in psychology. I'm working in retail. I play the violin. Like, what am I going to do? And so I started looking into getting an MBA again. And um, because I'd been living in Texas, I was able to uh, get into UT and in classic style. I literally overnighted my application, like I had to overnight my application wow. because it was, I hit like the last day and somehow they let me in. And so I went to back to Texas and went to UT for grad school, which is really fun. As we know, Austin is a fun town, Jessica knows, and it was definitely fun in the late nineties. Um, and so, uh, had a great experience there and did not go in arts management. Somehow I ended up in food and I got a job at craft in Chicago and was working there for a while, but it was pretty clear that was not for me. I was not a cultural fit for me. Very conservative company. Um, they almost sent me home one day for like wearing open toe shoes. No way. They were like, you your yeah. toes are too damn sexy. I, I didn't have any meetings. This is ooh, apparently my ooh. toes were, and maybe they weren't polished. Well, I don't know what happened, but they were like, Yeah, you you can't wear open toe shoes. And I was like, Did you have to wear pantyhose? If you were wearing a suit, I believe you did. Mm-hmm. So I never wore a suit, I never wore a skirt while I worked at that company. Um, it was bizarre, it, and it was just not me, it just didn't fit me, but mm-hmm. I learned a lot, and um. So I left there and ended up at America's Second Harvest in Chicago, which is like a, the, uh, it's now called Feeding America. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, umbrella organization for all the food banks right. in the States. And um, that was great, but also like I missed business. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what your experience is in nonprofit, but there was very much a sense of like stay in your own lane and don't, you know, in this big organization, you can't like 
you mm-hmm. know, find opportunities and seek them out elsewhere. I don't know. It just, I miss business. And I was like, well, what business can I work in that's like also meets my values? And I feel like I'm doing something productive and that feels good. And uh, I got super, I also was cold. Chicago is an awesome city, but dang, it's cold. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so I started looking for jobs in Austin again and got very lucky to land a job at Whole Foods um, as their national marketing director. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into because they, like there was no VP of marketing at Whole Foods. Like they weren't doing anything nationally. Everything was happening pretty much at a regional level. I was going to ask. So what, and I didn't really understand. 2004. Okay. So they had one person before me who had tried to do it and lasted like six months because it's it, working for a decentralized company is a whole other ball of wax for people that have worked at a company mm-hmm. or at a Fortune 500. It's like you have to convince people to, it's a lot of collaboration. There is no like, this is how we're doing it from the top mm-hmm. down. You have to collaborate. Mm-hmm. And but it was such a cool company. Um, I loved working at Whole Foods, it was fit me so well. I could wear flip-flops every day. I did not get sent home for open toe <laughs> shoes at that point. I mean, it it just, the idea behind Whole Foods of, you know, what I learned at Kraft versus Whole Foods at Kraft was very much about making money. All they want to do is make money. That's it. Even if they said, like, we're here to help our customers or we're here to produce good products, but really all they want to do is make money. And that is what business is, you know, that's what I learned in business school, increase your holder value. But uh, Whole Foods was the opposite of that. Whole Foods is about the stakeholder, the stakeholder model, thinking about everybody that's affected by the business. And that resonated with me so strongly. And I was, I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, Working for a company that was breaking the rules, Mm -hmm. you know, they really did not follow traditional business rules. Um, And, and I really liked that a lot. So I did that for about five years and built that marketing team there. And, um, kind of as it got into maintenance mode I was like "Ah, I'm probably more of a builder than a maintainer Mm -hmm. and I was kind of exhausted to be honest with you it's it's great working for a purpose-driven company but it's also like you're all you're always thinking about it you're always working on it and um, so I quit (laughs) and I quit for a year and I traveled for a year and well before uh, we hear about the travel I'm curious about you so you managed a team at Whole Foods and you also were managing the retail teams at Gordon Taylor and Structure. Uh-huh. Was was the job very different? Or how between yeah, the two? Like what was it like managing early career, pre MBA, no management training, and then yeah. in a retail environment? I'm sure you have a lot more turnover and, you know, and then several years later, you're at Whole Foods. It's, I'm assuming people are in the roles longer, perhaps. (laughs) And you have all this experience now, education and experience around being a manager. Yeah, that, that is a really good question. I've never thought about, it was pretty different, I guess, managing a team at Whole Foods versus, um, uh, Lauren Taylor, because I had no idea what I was doing at Lauren Taylor. I just tried to be a nice person and help help them as much as I could um, and be advocates for people on my team, but I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and then at Whole Foods, you know, I knew enough then to sit down with my team and say, hey, what is, what do you need? Like, what's happening here? What's actually happening here? Because I could tell that 
you know, the person in the role before me had left in six months. I was like, what, what's actually going on here? Like, can you tell me what's happening? And then let's, let's be a unit and, and work on this together and, and, um, and, and figure out the best way for our team to be successful. And they were just like, oh, thank God, we just need someone to help us. We need support. We need advocacy. We need someone within the organization that's fighting for us. Mm-hmm. And so learning that and understanding that, I think, um, was really helpful. And I'd, I'd actually had one really strong boss at Kraft. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of, I emulated her a little bit in my caring about the people that work for me um, was, was kind of my primary goal that and hiring people that complimented me was a big one Mm -hmm. because I am a disorganized mess. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm a little all over the place and I love a good big picture. I love the big picture. I love to think about strategy and where we're going. But when it comes to doing like I struggle with staying organized. Mm -hmm. And so I used to call it, I hired the GSDs to get shit doneers because I needed the people that just got stuff done. And I had so much respect for them that I think um, it was it was a lot of fun to build that team. It, it really was. We were we were tight, and some of my best friends still to this day are, are from Whole Foods and from that experience. That's so cool. So where did you travel? What, what did you do? What were your what were you trying to experience when you took off and decided to travel? I know it's so funny. I I I don't know if I thought about it that uh, like succinctly of like, hey, what do I want to accomplish here? But I knew I needed some time off. I knew that I loved travel. And I think what had spurred it is that when I graduated from business school, I took like an eight week trip and I'd never really been out of the country. I think um, I'd been uh, to London with my parents when I was like 14 or 15, but I hadn't really experienced Europe as a whole yet. And so I took this European trip. I was like, this is so awesome. Why do I not do this all the- Why have I not been doing this? Like, why did I not do this after I graduated from college? This is amazing. And, you know, then you always think you're going to have time, mm-hmm. right? You always think like when you're 20, you're like, oh, I have time to do that later. And suddenly I hit 37, I think I was at that, maybe 38. And I was like, what? I don't have any more. I'm, I need to do this now. Like clearly, yeah. you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Like just do it now. And I just wanted to experience different cultures. Oh, and the year before that, I'd gone to Southeast Asia, which is a really yeah. unique experience. And I wanted more of that. I was like, I need more of this, like feeling really uncomfortable trying to figure out how to get around. I just, I love, I don't know why. I just love that. Um, I love that feeling of actually landing in a country and not knowing the language mm-hmm. and just trying to figure it out. So um, I couldn't plan it. I just, so I just bought a one-way ticket and I bought a one-way ticket to Italy because I had a friend who was there. So cool. And then I just went from there and, and uh, I spent probably six months in Southeast Asia. Um, I worked at a rock climbing shop in Vietnam for a few months um, I know it's really random. I just kind of—I have to be honest—I just kind of let it happen. I was like, "Where should I go next?" Uh, oh, I just met this traveler who says I should go to Bali, so I'm going to. So Bali. you're doing that on your you know, own. So I just. Mm-hmm. You- I did have a friend that came and met me for a while to do a couple places that I was not totally comfortable going by myself. Had you set a one-year timeline for yourself? Have had you? Did you say to yourself, "I'm going to do this for one year," and 365 days later, you came back, or was it? It's indefinite, yeah, and, I, and I, I, I'm done after a year. Yeah, I did. You know, I actually ended up coming back after 10 months because I had a dog at the time, and she was creating some, wreaking, wreaking a little havoc at the house she was staying at, so I had to come back and get her. <laughs> and then my parents had their 50th wedding anniversary, and so I was like, okay, I need to come back. But honestly, um, 
I could have kept going for, I could have been one of those original digital nomads and just been traveling all over the world for the rest of my life. I mean, it is, once you get over that initial hump of like the discomfort and the, you know, I miss my friends a little bit, mm-hmm. a homesick feeling, it, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, but and I, it's so I brave. decided it was time to come I back. I don't know that I could, that I could enjoy it. I think I would be lonely, even, I mean, I'm sure you met people though, right? I did. I did. Yeah. And I, I had a, a few moments of loneliness and, and certainly times where I was like, man, I just want to call up my friend and Dina or Stacy or somebody and just go have a glass of wine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got over that, hump and I, I met somebody actually in Austin who had done a year long trip and he said, it'll take you a month to really feel, to let go of the American way of traveling, first of all, Mm -hmm. which is very like, I have to have a list and I'm going to check things off that Mm -hmm. list, to let go of that and realize you don't have to do anything some days. (laughs) And it'll, you know, it's going to take you a little bit to get over that homesickness. I was like, that is nuts. It's not going to take me a month. And he was absolutely spot on Mm -hmm. with that. It it took me about a month. and and his advice about just like being instead of doing was really helpful because that's the best part of travel in so many ways is just go sit in a coffee shop and and watch the, watch the community mm-hmm. and observe sort of what's happening mm-hmm. there instead of like I have to go to this temple and then I have to go do this and I have to take this boat ride and um, how was reentry was- after that. I'm so curious. That's such a good question. That's a really good question. It was it was strange because it didn't feel like I was gone for that long, but I did not come back during that time. And then I got home and I remember just like walking into a Whole Foods, which was kind of my life for a while there. Sure. And feeling like, oh my God, the uh, the abundance, yeah. just the, the amount of food in this store and fancy stuff. And all, it, it's out of control. Like- yeah our consumerism culture really hit me in the face in that moment, because you don't see that, especially in Southeast Asia. It's very like you go to the local market and you buy food and you take it home and cook it and you go to the local market again the next day. It's not, there's not this overwhelming amount of stuff. And so that really uh, freaked me out a little bit. And the other thing I struggled with coming back was um, I think I don't know how to say this nicely, but I, I was less tolerant of complaining from people mm-hmm. after that because I'd seen how a lot of people live in the world. And there are so many people living day to day, hand to mouth. You know, I, a friend and I went trekking in Nepal and then we went to Tibet. And, you know, I remember as we're hiking, I was like, what happens when someone gets sick? in one of these villages, like, what do you guys do when someone gets sick? And he's like, we just, t- we put them in a basket and carry them down the mountain. Cause there are no, there are no roads. It was all hiking trails and, you know, you just hope for the best. Like there's no medicine, there's no, it, there's nothing. And, you know, it's such a luxury. We think of it as um, a given that we have clean water and that we have clean, you know, good food to eat and that we have good food at all. And that's not how most of the world is operating or a lot of the world. And so I, I did struggle a little bit with that, you know, when you hear someone complain about 
go read next door and you'll see what the things that some people complain about. It's like, right. Why don't they have the seeded bread? And I really need that particular, the, the dark rye is out. I need that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I, I really had a, I, my tolerance level for that. And I, and, and if you, if you act on that, I think I I didn't want to come off as like, this is, it can be arrogant, yeah. come off the arrogant, like I know better than you, you shouldn't right. be complaining about it. they're very self-righteous, mm-hmm. yeah, and so I had to really like, you know, I'm glad that I had that experience and that I can acknowledge that how lucky I am to live where I live and to have been born a free person and, and make decisions and have, you know, have control of my life, yeah. um, was a really big lesson, um, for me to be able to, you know, come home and, and, and feel that strongly, but, um, but it, it, yeah, reentry was interesting. It, mm-hmm. it, it was, mm-hmm. I, I remember I had to go get my dog and, um, I got come back to Austin and I had to drive. My dog was in Omaha with this random story, but anyway, so I'm driving to Omaha and I, and I stop off somewhere outside Dallas and like this big, you know, um, like truck stoppy kind of place. And I walk in and I was like, oh my God if there was anything that was going to say like, you're back in America without actually saying you're back in America. It was this giant display of the Bubba mug. Do you guys, have you ever seen a Bubba mug? No. Oh no. Okay. It's a mug. Like think of a mug like this, except it's like this big. And then it's got a little oh. bottom that you can put in your cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the top is ginormous so that you can like go to Seven Eleven and get yourself a slurp giant. Right. It's like a big, a big gulp. gulp yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a reusable big gulp, which I'm glad it's reusable. But I, but it's called the Bubba Mug, and I was like, wow, I'm definitely not in Asia anymore. Oh <laughs> yep. Before the stand well, became hip, it was the Bubba Mug. That's right. <laughs> Pre Stanley. Pre Stanley. Right. Pre Stanley. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you come back. What happens next? I came back and Whole Foods sucked me right back in. <laughs> so I go back to Whole Foods and I did a job. Had, um, they, had it been in your plan to go back there? Were you like, I'm taking a year off? It was like, I quit. Or was it, um, I quit, but I'm open to coming back or I'm going on this trip. Maybe I'll come back. Like, had you, had you planned that? I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was kind of hoping I would have this like epiphany of like, here's what I'm supposed to do with my life you know, while I was gone and, and, but I didn't put pressure on myself for that either. It's like, I just went to have the experience and I had the experience and I came home and I did realize like working for a company that matches my values is really important to me or doing something that feels like is aligned with, with my values is important. And Whole Foods is that company. So I ended up back there doing a job called the, I managed the local loan program where we would give loans. I basically became a loan officer. We give loans to entrepreneurs um, her trying to grow with the company. That was fun. But then I was also learning, like, I don't, I really don't like sitting behind a desk. There is so much time looking at spreadsheets and sitting behind a desk. Mm-hmm. And I, I need to be up and out and doing things. And um, so right then, it was like, kind of seemed like fate. Uh, Whole Foods decided to open a travel company. And so, and that job was actually in Boulder. And so I moved to Boulder to work on launching this travel company uh it was called whole journeys because you just stick a hole in front of everything at whole foods and your branding <laughs> just it's branded you know we're branded so no surprise whole journeys was not a success probably should stick to grocery um but 
I was here in Boulder and I really liked it. I'm, I'm, I love Austin. I know you love Austin, Jessica. But I'm iffy on it these days. You're I'm what? getting more iffy on it these days. Oh, yeah. you are. Yeah. I love the creativity of Austin and, and the quirkiness of it. Um, it's less and less that way. I was really excited to be in Boulder and that company totally failed. And, um, so I wanted to stay here. I'd started teaching part-time, um, at DU. So I was doing that. I was working for a marketing firm that specializes in the national natural and organic industry. And that was fun. Um, but teaching really it, you know, in some ways I'd like to say that I sought it out and I really was so, um, uh, focused on figuring out what was good for me. But what I realized in teaching was, wow, I, I don't, I'm not sitting behind a desk. Mm-hmm. I feel like even in my teeny little tiny way, maybe I'm having an impact, you know, if one student comes to me and says like, Oh, I learned something in your class that I think I'm going to, it's going to take me in a different direction. It feels, it feels good. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really enjoy teaching. And so a full-time job came up at, at CU and I jumped on it. And so I've been here ever since. So it's been about seven years now. The longest I've ever held a job. I'm a job hopper for sure. I should know this, but what, what are you teaching? I teach marketing at the business school. Okay. So, um, undergrad and grad level and yeah, it's been great. It's really, it's probably the funnest job I've, I've had so far. It's definitely different than being in business. Um, but um, but I really like it and I love the students, love interacting with the students. And, well, I was going to ask you um, about the students because I hear such bifurcated things about kids that age. I mean, I have kids that age, so, you know, I have my own opinions about, about some of yeah. this, but, but I, I have friends who teach, um, at the university level and, I hear such mixed things. Some are like, wow, it is just amazing how, you know, resilient and how da da da. And others are like, oh, these kids are so screwed. COVID ruined them, you know? <laughs> so what do, what do you, what do you see? How do you feel about, about that generation? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little of both. Um, I, I can say on a positive side, I'm inspired by them every day. I really am. And so many of them are, um, you know, what's fun about teaching undergrads in particular is they haven't, they're not quite jaded by the business world yet. And so they're open to this idea of like, oh, business can be run differently. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked briefly about sort of this whole foods model, but it's a, it's a unique model. And so I really like talking about that mm-hmm. in class and telling them like, you don't have to just, there are bad things that can come from just trying to make money and you will make bad business decisions. And here we have this company that did more than just try and make money and they were successful because of it, not in spite of it. And so they, they're open to hearing that mm-hmm. and they are like, Oh yeah, I like that. So I, I'm inspired by them for the most part. See you as a party school. I mean, so you have to let go of the fact that sometimes you're going to have a student walk in and really hung up. I mean, I had a student puke in my class once because he was hung over. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know how, you know, some students come in high, like it just is what it is. Um, yeah. But it it doesn't, for me personally, it doesn't take that many students to just say like, you know, to, for me to connect with, like, I'm not going to connect with all of them, mm-hmm. but if I connect with a few of mm-hmm. them, um, it's, it's good. It, it's worth it. I do think COVID had a, had a bad effect mm-hmm. on, 
um, mental health, on ability to focus, on coming to class and paying attention. Like I have a very strict no um, technology policy in my classrooms and that is tough for them because they're used to like looking around and doing something else. And um, so they can't even bring a laptop in. They can bring it in, but they can't use it unless I, unless I'm doing something specific. So they have to handwrite their notes. Correct. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? And they can do it on like a, on an iPad or something, as yeah. long as I see that they're taking notes on that iPad or, or some kind of tool like that, but no, no computers, no laptops, unless they have like, um, some kind of learning disability that gives them access to that. That's fine. Um, but for the most part, uh, no technology in the classroom, but it, it is, then that used to, you know, you'd get like, a, Oh, when you say that, um, but now I feel like they, they struggle with it more than they did before. And I think that is because of COVID and because, you know, I mean, did you guys did teach online at all during COVID? You, we did a little bit. Yeah. I wasn't teaching students online, but I certainly did a lot of teaching educators online. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but I wasn't teaching students, but I had kids yeah. who were learning online mm-hmm. and that was uh, right. Yeah. Oh. And it must have been tough for them. Um, so, and you know, I, I look at zoom and I would see, Oh, someone's on their Peloton during class. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so they're doing other stuff like <laughs> while they're actually in class and then they have to come back to class. Right. Now right. that now we, they have to come back to physical class. It's, it's harder for them. But I think as we're getting the further away we get from that, yeah. um, I think the better it is reacclimating to actually what it's like to be a student live and in person. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have to say my kids are wonderful people, but I am wildly impressed with how my older two students actually are, are as students in college. Like they are actually like, they go to class. I know that's a little, but they go to class. They report what they're learning in class and they tell me about their projects and they get into their projects. I mean, they're least interested in a class that just gives them tests. But if right. they're like doing projects, they get really into it. And yeah. I just think that, um, you know, I I was much less engaged in college than I think my kids are. So we can do yeah. all we want about this generation. But like my kids take their classes actually pretty seriously. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that um, uh, most of my students are pretty focused and they do a great job and and they you know we I try for myself just because of of who I am because of COVID because of who I am because of how I learn because I don't Mm. I really struggled with sitting in a classroom and and learning from a book Mm. we do a lot of experiential learning a lot of like okay here's what we're talking about or or you prep this you know read these articles before you come to class and then we're going to come to class and do do this thing Mm-hmm. Um, that has made a big difference, I think, in their level of focus and ability to, um, to engage. But I think a downside, if I could say that there is one right now is more so than when we were in school, there is such a focus on grades for some mm-hmm. of these students and they just come in, they're like, just tell me how to get an A. And I mm-hmm. feel like we've done a disservice to our students to a certain extent. Cause it's like, well, that's not going to ha- What do you think is going to happen when you start working? Do you think like they're going to tell you exactly how to right. do this project or how yeah. to, point. you know, it you just, know, I work with adults all the time and I'm always amazed 
when they ask me, are we doing this right? I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) what do you mean? Are you doing this right? Like I'll work with them on like the creating of a strategic plan for a school or for writing, Hmm. you know, a a draft of something. And they'll literally ask me, am I doing this right? And I think that is so interesting. Like, I'm not gonna like, I'm not here. What is right? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we're so trained to like, think that there's an A, a model for an A. And it's just not that way in the world. Yep. I think that that's, that's something that I've seen. And I, with my MBA students, more than with my undergraduate students, I try to mimic that sense of ambiguity Mm -hmm. that you have to deal with when you get out into the world. And so I'm like, here's a project. I'm going to help you a little bit, but there's not a right or wrong answer here. And you're going to have to get used to that. So like, go run with it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And it's really more your process that I'm looking at than the result, you know, the end result. Well, I I do want to get to what are the fun things you're doing and passionate about outside of work. But before we do that, I'm, I'm wondering what you are most proud of professionally. Oh, God. Gosh, I could go a lot of directions with that. I am proud of the fact that I ended up here. I am proud of that because, and that I've found a job that I love as much as I do. I mean, it really like fires me up to get, I mean, I tell my students sometimes, I'm like salivating sometimes before I walk in the classroom. Like I have a Pavlovian response to this job sometimes. Oh, I love it so much. It's fantastic. And I'm so happy. <laughs> and I can't say that I always felt that way. I did not feel, I, at Whole Foods, I felt passionate about the company. But then I realized like, I don't actually like the jobs that I'm doing. So how mm. do I, what, what am I doing wrong here? Like, what am I doing? And it took, it took me some real self-reflection and some work and also like, if I can be honest, like giving up my ego a little bit around, okay, I'm an expert in the natural organic food industry. So I should stay in that industry. And I should, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I should start a company and, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And no, that is not what I should be doing. I should be in education. Mm-hmm. And this is where I am. And I'm so happy that I let go of some of those expectations that I had of myself, or that I, I thought that I what I should be doing versus following what I like what I enjoyed, like the daily tasks of what I like to do. I think we forget about that in work life. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I'm going to become a VP of this, or I'm going to go out and do that, or I'm achieving these goals. But you don't think about like every day I'm doing some tasks and I better like those tasks <laughs> or else my life is going to be kind of miserable, you know? And I love so my true. tasks every day. I like thinking about how I'm going to teach the class. And I like thinking about what topics are we going to cover today and how am I going to go over them and coaching students on interviewing or whatever it is, whatever I could do to help, you know? And, and, um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. that I, that I found something I enjoy that I works for the way my brain works a little bit. I love a deadline. And, so. and you came to classrooms that. Classrooms are really good for deadlines. You came to that through a lot of experimentation. Like you tried totally. a lot of different things, really you know? Did. And so I really, having, really having did. found something that really feels right. It's very cool. I love it. Yeah. So, you. Um, you know, before, I would love to know what, you know, when you think about your 18-year-old self looking at you today, what do you think would be the most, what would you think, what would that be surprising to you? <laughs> feeling like you're right on, maybe not in terms of what you're doing, but how you are as a person and 
um, what would surprise you or what would, what would be very confirmatory? <laughs> you mean if I was 18 and looking at where I am now? Yeah. yeah. Like, would I be like, huh, that's not what I thought. Your old self seeing you, you know, you're doing the back, the back to the future and you're going into the future <laughs> and you're seeing you what's like surprising and what's totally like on point. Like, of course. I don't think I would have gone into education. I think that would have been a surprise. Um, and I, I don't know if I'd say this on course, but I think I'd be glad to know that I'm happy, that I, that I'm in a good spot in life, that I am enjoying life. I think I'd be surprised that I didn't have kids. You know, I kind of assumed like someday I would want to have kids, but that I really never did. So, um, I think I'd be surprised about that part, but I think I'd be really happy to know that I'm pretty, you know, I thought I, I think you guys are going to ask this later, but I, I spent a lot of time, I think, in high school feeling uncomfortable a little bit, a little bit awkward. Um, and I'd be happy to know that I have embraced all any awkwardness <laughs> and I'm totally comfortable with my tripping on things and saying things that are maybe a little off kilter sometimes and whatever it is, like, I'm, you know, I, I'm glad that I um, reached a point of just feeling pretty, pretty comfortable. That is such I a good that. feeling, isn't it? When you're just kind of yeah. isn't it over it. God. Oh, so much energy yeah, spent wondering how I'm coming across. And then you just get to a point where you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I heard, I did hear that little bit of Stacy's podcast and I totally agree. It's like, we spend so much energy thinking about what other people think about us, but really they don't, they like think about you for five seconds and then they're on to like what they're worried about. Right. Yeah. No one's thinking about me. I mean, they're thinking about themselves. Why did I even think that that was a thing? So, so true. And, and I, I'm, I'm glad that I, I try to tell this to my 15 year old when yesterday, well, this is hilarious. Yesterday we're in the car on the way to school. She pulls down the visor. Her bangs are not the way she wants them. She texts oh one of the boarding students at her school. Will you bring your hair straightener to English? Wow. And so she straightened her yeah. hair and I'm going, does it really yeah. matter? But <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she thought, does any, is anyone looking? I, you, know? I, you know, she was yeah. like, I cannot go notice. around looking like this. I'm like, no one is going to notice or care. But okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. It is so true though. I know. But that's yeah. so I mean it's so age appropriate. And thank goodness yeah. we outgrow it. It is. Or many of us oh, outgrow. We do it. outgrow Not everyone it. does, yeah. but many of us yeah. are fortunate to outgrow it and become more comfortable <laughs> yes. with our awkwardness. Yes. Absolutely. And I think uh I think it was Tommy's he was talking about how he's trying to advise his kids and they don't take his advice, you know, yet they're just not there yet. And I think it, maybe it's just something you have to go through mm -hmm. as a teenager. And um, we're really lucky because my niece is uh, at school here at CU. And, you know, there are times where I want to give her a little advice, like, who cares? Like what that person thinks about X, Y, and Z, like, just do you, you got to do you. But it, it just, it's one of those things you kind of have to figure out on your own, I think. And, mm -hmm. and, part of life totally and um your kids will learn it eventually you know yeah kids learn it the, the college students learn it eventually yeah. Our, my Absolutely. own children will learn it eventually i still <laughs> i still have moments sometimes when i go into like the the pilates studio i feel it i'm like oh everyone's looking at me 
And I'm like, actually, they're not. Well, <laughs> do try living in Boulder where everyone is sinewy. Right. I mean, it is like everyone's like so outdoorsy and yoga and thing. yeah, yeah. This is in a very fit town. Yeah. Of a lot of the yummy so mangoes and the yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, outside yeah, of what we've talked about, what are you passionate about? What are the get to do things in your day-to-day life? Okay. I mean, I will say I really like what I'm doing. And so even, I mean, I told my husband the other day, I was like, I just, I can't help it. I would do this job for free probably. And so here I'm, so it is something, I mean, I like doing it. Mm-hmm. So I do do this sometimes outside of, of yeah. work. I'm thinking about what I'm going to be teaching or how I'm going to be teaching it. Um, but you know, I like many uh, people that have been on this um, podcast so far, I really try to connect with my friends and I value them so much and especially my girlfriends. So I spend a lot of time doing that. Um you know, we spend a lot of time out in the mountains and going hiking and doing those types of things. Obviously, travel is really big for me. Um, and so I try to, like, my my travel goal right now is 50 for 55. So 50 countries uh, by the time I hit 55. I was going for 50 for 50, but that was clearly not going to happen. And then the pandemic right. really made sure that. <laughs> what are you up to? Uh, what are you up to? I think I'm at 42. Oh, oh very doable. So I've got some time. I think I... Yeah, it's doable. I think I might actually hit it this year because um, what I'm really excited about right now is that uh, I get the other thing no one tells you about teaching. I get a sabbatical. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to be off from June until next January. Oh my gosh, and, how uh, awesome. And, and we're, yeah, so we're hitting the road uh, for most of that time. Hopefully I'll be able to sneak back for the reunion, but. Please do. But I'm going to try. I'm really trying. Oh yeah. Yeah. If it had been in October, I was so excited when I heard that the last year's thing was in October and I was like, I can totally make that happen. Um, but it's it's in October. I I know. I know. I saw, um, Tommy Smith and, um, uh, Adam Honiger at uh, over Christmas break. And I was like, you guys, can you just please talk to the Academy about changing, (laughs) changing that date? Okay. I know it doesn't have to go around me, but it is, why September? Yeah, it is the really board, early. Make the board change it. The board members. Yes. Come on, board members. Yeah. So no, when but, you um, I, I'll still when try. you do your sabbatical, where are you wanting to go? So we're gonna go to Spain. We literally just booked an uh, an apartment in Tarragona, Spain, for a month for the month of June. Um, uh, also similar to Susan and Jenny, I believe mentioned this, I, our family's going on a float down the Danube <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> um, in July. And then we're going to go to Turkey, um, for a month. And then we want to walk, maybe not the Camino, you know, like the Camino in the Northern Spain, maybe that, but some kind of trek, we're going to do a trek of some kind for three or four weeks and then come back to the States. And then go to South America for a couple months. That sounds so great. Great. That is where we are now. Yeah. Fun. And beyond that, what is in store for you in the future? What do you imagine yourself doing in 10 years? Oh, Lord. See, that is a really hard question for me. And I used to get that question in interviews a lot. I'm not good at planning myself out like that. Um, but I think, 
gosh, 10 years, I'll be in my 60s. I imagine that I will be thinking about retirement, but maybe it'll be like teaching part-time or still doing something in education. I don't know. Um, my big hope that is in discussion right now with the hubs is I would like to buy a place in Albuquerque. I would like to have like my own little condo or something. I just, I love, I love the community of Albuquerque. I think it's so fantastic. Mm. All the people there are always really nice. I have a lot of family there still. Um, so I'm hoping that I'll have some more strong connection in New Mexico. Um, I can understand. And honestly, you can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. We spent a week in Corrales at my parents' house last June um, while they were in Sicily. So we got to kind of pretend to be, you know, this we played house in their house. It was just lovely. I mean, just it was gorgeous. And the sunsets were spectacular and just the feeling of it. uh, People were more relaxed. It just, it was really, really nice. And it, it, it made me reconsider an assumption that I would never, ever want to live there again. It's like, you know, maybe. Yeah. I under, I get it. I had that assumption too. It's yeah. It's like, I couldn't get away fast enough. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, Albuquerque is actually kind of great. Like people are really nice and Mm -hmm. you know, the way it feels and smells and everything about it. And just having that connection with folks. Um, I I don't think I've ever sat down with someone from our class and not had an interesting conversation. And there's something really great about that. Like you don't have to do small talk. You don't have to like how's the weather where you are. I mean, you just like jump right into the good stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I really value that now. Um, So other than that, actually we've talked about um, maybe doing a year abroad for me teaching abroad. Nice. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that might happen sometime soon so so i've taken some students to amsterdam i've done it i did it last year and the year before and that was it's it's really fun to see how students react to going to a new country and being in different culture and um so i'd like to do that again very cool all right well should we do the flashback to high school oh boy here we go i'm ready unless before we do that, is there anything else that you want to share? Anything else that I want to share? Anything we haven't we haven't touched on could be could be work or hobby or personal. I mean, just uh, I should have said you know I still play music and oh I'm, I have reached old lady stage of my mahjong. It's really <sighs> fun. If you haven't done it, you should totally I do it. I haven't. It's so great. And I, but I you haven't. But I, I am so curious about it. Oh my god, it's so fun! It's really difficult um, to learn, yeah, though, so is what I've heard. Um, it it's like kind of like playing poker, honestly, with tiles, and you have like hands that you can do. It's it's not that hard. Okay. It's not that hard to learn. It's a beautiful um, looking game. Quickly. Yeah, I like the yeah, sound. I like the sound. Yeah, the sound of it's great. And this woman asked me to play, and I was like. I was playing in Orch in the Boulder Symphony, and this woman I was playing with was like, "You should come play mahjong with my friends." And I was like, uh, "That's what my Jewish grandmother plays," and I'm not there yet. Yeah. Like, I'm not that old yet. Okay. <laughs> and she said, "No, seriously, we're all in our 40s. It's so fun. It's such an amazing group of women." And so I started going, and it really is. It's, an, it's like book club, but with mahjong. But it's an incredible group of ladies. And you're still playing the you're still playing the violin. I still. 
play. Yeah, I still play. Um, I have ups and downs with it, but I'll go into like this really focused, like, oh, got it now. And then I kind of back off for a while. So I'm in a back off stage right now. But yeah, I played with Boulder Symphony for a while. And I had a quartet in here for a while. And then I kind of moved on. And my husband and that's, yeah. So how did you and your husband meet? Moved on from it. Oh, we met online on the OK Cupid, which I used to call OK Stupid. <laughs> And, um, so I guess I got to stop calling it that, but I mean, you did online dating, didn't you? I did. I'm, I'm a big fan. It's such a fascinating thing. It's such a fascinating thing. I mean, I used to get, I I did it in Austin for a little bit and I was like, Oh, it was, I got some weird. Oh, I went on some weird dates for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I had like a top 10 list of the strangest (laughs) things people had emailed me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like number one was this is all this is all the message said. I like your nose. You look dangerous. <laughs> That's it. Wow. You want to get together sometime? I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> no, you do not want to get together. Um, and then I found too, like living in Austin, because I worked above that Whole Foods on Six and Lamar mm-hmm. over there. It's like kind of the there's a lot. Like all of Austin ends up in there at some mm-hmm. point. And I would go to the salad bar and I'd be like, oh. There's Michael. He's 38. Single. <laughs> um, you know, because I would see would these people that I recognize. I was like, I can't. I got to yeah. stop. And so when I moved to Boulder, I was like, you know, I don't know anybody here. I'm in my 40s. It's you know, most people are married and and, and working with you know that families, and it's harder to meet people sure. at that age. And so I was like, I'm just going online. And I was really um, specific about my um, profile to say, you know. If you look at most profiles, like I like to travel, I live hard, play hard, you know, work hard, play hard. Um, but <laughs> my I favorite decided, was, I, was like, okay, I like I to do. live life to the fullest. It's like, what does that even right. mean? Well, I don't even know what no. that means. And and who doesn't? <laughs> and and so I'm going from there. So I just I was like, well, I do like to travel, but I'm when I I'm going to say in my profile, I like to travel because you know, or I like this because. What is it about this thing that really resonates with me? You know, there's different types of travel. I, people like to travel and go hang out and drink margaritas by the pool that's one type I like to travel and feel uncomfortable in a different culture and like learn about a different culture or whatever it is so I really was careful with my profile and Dan saw it and he emailed me and he was he like repeated some of the things back to me he's like if I read your profile correctly you are blah 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 and I was like oh that was very thoughtful and so we met and that was that was pretty much it that was like 10 years ago and we got married I really didn't think I was ever gonna be married and we got married and I was 46, 47, maybe. So, um, yeah, so it's been nice. It's so great. It's been really good. I love it. Oh, so fun. Yeah. All right. I feel like I've missed out on online dating. I don't think it's ever going to happen. <laughs> I think that you should probably feel okay about yeah. that because of all the good stories that people tell when they finally find like the person. I mean, we're talking about at least like, 50 dates before that that were no boy yeah, it's a yeah. it's a numbers game at least it's a numbers game I'm okay. it is a numbers game yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was first doing it I would set up coffee dates down Lamar an hour and a half apart <laughs> so I would meet one person at one one person at 2 30 one person at four and That's I'm just like it. we're in you know I can't devote a half a day I always wore the same dress to the first date so I never had to wonder if there was a second date did I what did I wear to the first date I mean I had this I had it down 
That is planning ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That is planning ahead. No dinner for date one. Oh, God, no. No dinner. Oh, God, no. 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 Oh, no. Never do that. (laughs) Yeah. Dan actually asked me for our first date. He was like, let's go on a hike. And I was like, are you insane? Like, I don't even know you. Do you think I'm going to go hiking out the wilderness with you and sweat (laughs) a lot? And no. Curious. A hatchet in your backpack. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, so like, funny. I don't think so. I'm not going to be killed by a serial killer yeah, I mean, from the app, from the dating app. Well, I'm glad it worked out so well. Me too. For Dan and for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. He's so- out grocery shopping right now, so it's working out great. <laughs> I, love I love that. that. When we think back, to 1989. When you think about yourself in high school, what do you remember about yourself? Oh, wow. I really have very few memories of high school. I don't know why that is. Um, What do I remember about myself? I mean, I think I was nice, a kind person. I tried to be a nice person and a kind person, I think partially because like I was so sort of awkward and skinny and weird in in middle school I got a little bullied and so by the time I became older I I think I was you know by the time we got to high school and the high school I tried to be nice to people and um I know this because I got a lot of you know those little um notes that they would send back with you from the academy you know like every nine six or nine weeks or something you get a little commentary from Mm -hmm. every professor which is really cool when you think about it um you know when my parents moved out of their house that they'd been in you know that I grew up in they moved out about five years ago my mom had saved all of them because she's that is who she is and I started reading through them and every single one said the same thing if Heather would stop talking (laughs) she would do really well in class (laughs) every like all of them So apparently I talked a lot, Um, but I think, you know, I have mixed feelings about high school and about the academy, and I love the academy and what I learned there, but I also felt um, awkward. I really did, and I felt, I I related to Laurel's um, podcast because I felt I was not academically successful, and I think at the academy, it's like you were either academically successful or Uh, athletically successful or both of those were like considered you were like a cool kid if you were one of those Mm. and so I always sort of felt like I was just sort of there I was like middle of the road and I was there and I'm I'm grateful for what I learned there but I don't think back on it that often Mm -hmm. um, because I just sort of felt like I was just a middle of the road person I didn't really know myself that well yet yeah well I am so glad you reminded me of your music because I don't think, I, now that you say it, of course, mm-hmm. and you were such a star, right? You that, that was a place where you really shined brightly. But I, it's funny, when I was thinking back, and I've seen you since and talked to you, and it was not the first thing that came to my mind. And now, of course, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to have, it was good to have something like that, that I felt was my thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause everyone in my family is super athletic and I was not that, I mean, I did the athletics. I think we were all in the volleyball. I know. I was going to say we played, we, I remember you playing volleyball. Yeah. I think we, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I wasn't super athletic. And, um, so it was nice to have something that felt like my thing to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
All right. Okay. Well, I guess we should go through the questions. Let's do them. We keep them around a little bit. So I think we might even have a couple on here that might surprise you. Uh oh. <laughs> do you want to get us started, Carla? Sure. Okay. So question number one Who was your high school crush? I knew this one was coming. And yes, I yeah. I'm going to say I had a lot of them, but I will say the first one, and I'm sorry, Leah, but that was also Frank Peloso because he picked me up for school too in that Supra. <laughs> this Celica Supra that was so cool. I don't remember anything about Miami Vice. I think she said something about Miami Vice or something was playing when she was in school. Up, but um, I, yeah, I, he was just, and he was also really nice. Like I felt like he, you know, he picked me up when I was in ninth grade. Your ninth grade is a tough year because you're like, and um he he was always super nice and and um and I, yeah i just had a huge crush on him oh what a heartthrob totally. <laughs> he really i actually ran he i saw him in denver about two years ago and i was like oh dude you have no idea like, what a, how many of us thought you were you were, you were the bomb back in the day <laughs> Love it. all right second question so I am looking at your yearbook page, and there is oh. a quotation on it from William Jennings Bryan. Oh, God. Really? Yes, I know. I'm not going to lie to you. I threw out all my, all my yearbooks. I do not have a single yearbook. But so, Okay, so tell me what it says. There's only one quotation, and this is it. It says, destiny is not a matter of chance. It is a matter of choice. It is not a thing to be waited for. It is a thing to be achieved. Does that resonate for you still? It does. Yeah. Because I don't know about the achieved part, but I think it's like about, you know, you've got to take matters in your own hands and figure out what works best for you and, and, um, and find your path, you know, like follow your bliss. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so actually that, that really does resonate. I know. Good job. 18 year old. I know it really fits. You're your willingness to try different things and yeah good job 18 year old heather all right i read it before we started and as you were talking i thought this she's gonna like this quotation <laughs> we'll send it to you so you can right not since you don't have i will screen i will send you a photograph of your page oh thank you <laughs> all right Okay, so in the 1980s, when you think back, what were you really into? What kind of fad or trend or sort of sort of cultural thing of the 80s do you remember being really into? A cultural thing? I mean, I had huge hair. <laughs> that I just you you I did so much hairspray went into that thing. It was like I can see it in your yearbook like photos. Twenty minutes blowing out <laughs> each side, you know, like uh-huh. I, I mean. It was big. I don't know why. It's impressive. Why? And I got and I got a perm. I think my mom used to perm my hair. I mean, it's just horrible when you think back on it. Um, yeah. Oof, so I did that. Um, I wanted to be able to wear like the big boyfriend sweaters and stuff, but I just I I was so not able to carry that off because I was kind of awkwardly skinny at that point, you know. Like I grew really fast. I could so, I couldn't do it either. I just I couldn't no. Off. I yeah. looked like a a chopstick wearing a balloon. <laughs> it's not good. That's yeah. It's like someone told me 
and when I was in, because uh, I was on the swim team for a little bit, and I had this swim cap that was like gold color, mm-hmm. and they were like, "You look like a pencil," because that was my racer. <laughs> oh, that was God. the eraser on my head was the <sighs> cap, and then I just like. You're like, that's it, yeah. swimming. I'm out. <laughs> swimming over. <laughs> Big hair, definitely very eighties. Okay, what car did you drive in high school, and how did it meet its demise? Mm. Okay, I have two to discuss because one of them I only drove for like five minutes. So when I was, so I'm, I think I'm the oldest one in the class. So I turned 15 our freshman year, like September of our freshman year. But my parents were like, you can't drive to school quite yet. You know, they're mm. smart about that. But Christmas that year, my dad, and so my dad was very, um, he just impulsive sometimes with stuff like that. And apparently on Christmas Eve, he like walked into his car dealership. And that car dealership was Yugo. Oh, yes, totally. Very tiny, very (laughs) tiny eggshell on wheel cars. Um, And so he gave me a red Yugo for Christmas (laughs) that year. And um, I mean, seriously, that car, you could see the road through the floor of the car. There was like a hole where a bolt should have been or something. You could literally, I was like, oh, there's the road. Like, you could see the road through the bottom of the car because there was a little hole and there was nothing else. I mean, this car was like the absolutely possible cheapest thing you get. It was tiny. It was red. It was a standard transmission. I remember that. And um, I drove it for like a couple months, maybe. And then my grandmother read an article about how dangerous the car was. And so my dad was like, okay, fine. So my six foot five father, who, cause he would not give up on these things. He was like, not going to get rid of the Yugo. My six foot five father drove that Yugo for like the next five Oh years. my gosh. So dad got the Yugo. Dad got the Yugo. And, uh, and I got a, my cousin's Toyota Celica. It was a 78 Celica. Oh my gosh. I had it repainted or we had, I think it had been in an accident or something. So we had it repainted and somehow I picked you know when a color looks really good in a little swatch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it becomes larger and you're like, oh, whoops. Uh, that's what I did. And so my car was blue, but it was like such a bright blue. It looked like one of, you know, like this, like the color of those light bulbs, like the Christmas, the big Christmas <laughs> bulbs that were blue that you would put on the outside of your house. It, it was that blue. Wow. It was the brightest blue. And it was a great car. I love that car. Um, also a standard transmission. I miss driving a standard. I love driving a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I lived down by uh, TCA, by Tennis Club. And so I picked up, do you remember the Gaskin twins? They were like two years younger than us, maybe, Mike and Chris Gaskin. I don't think so. So they lived near me. So I'd pick them up and take them to school. So I'm driving to school down Girard one day. And this woman just pulls right in front of me. And I just <sighs> slammed right into her. And, and shockingly, it was not my fault. But I slammed right into her, and um, I don't know if you know, like, where Padilla's is on Gerard, and, like, if you guys ever gone to Padilla's Mexican restaurant, mm-hmm. but um, there was, like, a little circle K on the end. I almost hit the gas tank thing, oh my the gosh. gas pump. I just went right by it, and uh, I hit her. I mean, I hit her pretty hard. Like, it totaled the car, and uh, she was like, how, how did I not? see I, I just didn't see you i'm like i'm driving like a giant smurf yeah. i don't know how you didn't see me but, but she didn't see me yeah oh my gosh yeah at least you were driving yeah, the Yugo. at least i was not driving the yugo i know mm-hmm. right i honestly and my dad was such a like really worried about my safety so much that i cannot believe that he thought 
giving me the keys to a Yugo at the age of 15 was a good, I mean, I don't even think I had boobs, boobs yet, like, at that point. Like, I didn't, it's like, I don't have a bra, but I have keys to a car. It's like, I don't even understand how that's possible, but I know my mom was like, I'm so tired of driving you up to the academy. Oh, I know. I just started driving. I think I started driving up there at the end of my freshman year. I mean, I will say... We were 15 when we got our licenses, and there were some boys in my class that I doubted could see over uh, in the Guinness School of Driving class. There was a couple boys, yes. so I'm like, I do not know how they are going to drive. If you, have to, yes, if you have to use a booster seat, you should have to wait. <laughs> it just probably should not be happening. We just have not gone through puberty yet. Oh like, by God. 16, most boys have, but at yes. 15 or 14 and 8 months when we were in McGinnis driver's driver, ed, yeah. had yeah. not grown yet enough to drive. I mean, <laughs> I just, I cannot believe, you know, at that time you're like, of course I'm ready to drive a car. I was, there was nothing about me that was ready to drive a car at 15. No, no. Like, nothing. And I'm, yeah, so I'm glad I wasn't in the Yugo, but it did mean its demise uh, in a little accident. All right. Next question, number five. What song or band would be on the soundtrack of your high school experience? It has to be Duran Duran. I was such a Duran Duran person. And like, I realized that my brothers were back to sort of liking me again. Cause you know, they're, they're quite a bit older. They're like five and seven years older than me. And when I was in, I think it was the ninth grade, they gave me a life size poster of Duran Duran for my birthday. And I was like, they love me again. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, that thing took up an entire wall in my bedroom. Oh, what a great gift. last year and they were still you did mm-hmm. yeah they were here in boulder and i wish i'd gone to see them um but i saw them about 20 years ago in chicago mm-hmm. at the house of blues yeah. and i was just like damn they're still so cool still like, Simon Le bon is so cool he's still you know i was like oh he's so old he was probably in his 40s <laughs> yeah. 50s he was. yeah i'm like he's so old but he's still i was like he's still so cutting edge yeah, like, yeah. So cool yeah i saw him for my 40th birthday i saw him my 51st birthday. So you got to see every 10 years or so. They're still fun. (laughs) Yeah. They're amazing. Question six. What high school teacher had the greatest influence on you? Well, I can tell you after listening to everybody else's, I wish I'd had Nancy Spencer. (laughs) But I did not have her. Um, But I would have to say uh, Jonathan Armerding, who was my orchestra um, teacher. And I think back on it because um, so my little group, our orchestra, so when I started as a freshman, he started teaching when I was a freshman. Okay. And so like myself and Andrew Chavez and hmm. um, probably Ralph Woods, we were like kind of his first class that he saw from start to finish. 
and he like invited you know his wife had us over for dinner Aww. and like to sort of have this end of year celebration and he was he was just um he kept me interested in music and he he brought up a couple of things that I applied for you know he encouraged me to apply for a music scholarship even though I was like I don't think I'm quite there like why not you know he he was really encouraging and I I I really appreciated him that's so great well, we haven't. Yeah. And I, say, I, I know he's not an academy teacher, but Dale Kempter, who was also he was the um, conductor for the Albuquerque Youth Symphony. Mm -hmm. He was an amazing man, and he really got to know all of us. And I remember so distinctly him telling me that I should become a teacher. Really? And I think he meant that I should become a music teacher. And I was like, "You're crazy." Mm -hmm. um, but he kept. He's like, "You just have a way about you. I think you should really be a teacher." Mm. I always think back on that too. That's really interesting. All right. Question number seven. What artifact from your high school years should you have put in a time capsule that really represented you in high school? Probably my Aquanet can. <laughs> and I'm going to say, I can still you know, something it. that has, I know. God, I guess it's like, geez, there is a small hole in the old zone land. That was my fault. <laughs> Um, I would say like something to do with music, like sheet music or my violin or something like that. But, uh, it did give me, a, it did make me feel like this was my thing. You know, I always like, I don't know about you guys, but I would start things and stop them. It's like, I took ballet and then I stopped and I was somewhere and I stopped and I did this and I, so I'd start things and I would quit. That was the one thing that I just kind of kept going with mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And that has really served me well in life later on. I'm not on. sure if I found that yet, but we'll see. Okay. <laughs> All right. Question eight. What was an academy ritual or tradition that you either loved or hated? <laughs> you know, I loved the lunchtime. I loved the, we got assigned tables because it like forced me to talk to other people, um, maybe get to know a, a teacher a little bit better. I thought the the waiter thing was cool and probably part of the reason I like it so much is that you tell people about that. You know, when I got to college or after college, like, oh yeah, I went to this high school where we had assigned lunch tables and we each acted as waiter and we had like nice plates with the Academy logo on it. And they're like, right. Um, but I, I thought that was a special ritual and I liked that we didn't all run off, uh, you know, that, that we had an open campus, that we didn't have an open campus. I thought it was, it was good. Mm -hmm. To, to have everyone there and, and for you to, you know, meet different people yeah. and kind of be forced to sit at, at the lunch table with different people. And, and it was one thing I really admire about the Academy, actually about our class in particular. I don't know if you remember, like we would have those senior, like, I don't remember the assemblies where we'd like, I think it was like once a week, we'd all meet as a class yeah. in, in the, in one of the arts and arts places. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking around toward the end of our senior year and seeing people sitting next to each other that I wouldn't have expected to see sitting next to each other. Mm -hmm. Like the super athletic guy is sitting next to the person that's probably smarter than the chemistry teacher kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. Mm -hmm. I liked that our class seemed to respect each other by the end in a, in a, in a way. And I feel like part of that was that we, we did have to mix and talk to each other and, and, you know, sit with, people that weren't your closest friends, you know, at lunch and whatnot. I yeah. agree. That was special. That was special. Mm -hmm. When I think about schools that I work with sometimes where kids feel isolated, they don't make friends. Oh. And like, there's a way to design 
for cross-pollination yeah. and there's a way to design so that there are fewer clicks and mm-hmm. I truly Agreed. believe that you can do that with some intention. So, all right. Question number nine, if you could go back in time and tell your high school self something about the future, what would it be? I could go back and tell myself something about the future. I mean, I mean, kind of touched on it. Like I would tell myself like, don't worry, you're gonna, you're gonna figure it out in your own way. And it's okay to do it your own way. Like you don't have to, I think I spent some time kind of trying to shoehorn myself into what I thought I should be doing or what people expected for me to do. And when I really found myself and just my happiness is when I, I did it my own way and went my own path. So true. All right. Our last question. What would be the title of your high school memoir? Um, I know this question was coming, so I was talking to Dan about it, my husband, and I was like, what do you think, based on what I've told you about high school, what do you think out of my memoir would be? And he's like, based on what you told me is um, awkward and angular. <laughs> he's like, I always feel a little awkward and angular. I was like, I could, like, I could have cut butter with my shoulder blades, you know? Um, but I honestly think it'd probably be like late bloomer or something like that. Like I did, I did come into myself eventually, but I am definitely a late bloomer. There's actually a book. I don't have it. I don't know where it is. It's on my bookshelf somewhere, but it's actually a book about late bloomers. And I feel the same way about myself. I don't think that I really, it took, I was unlike you, I was really young for the class. And I just think I could have, I could have been in the class below us probably pretty happily. So yeah. Took me a long time to kind of figure out socially, I think. And even academically, yeah. I could have been better off. But um, yeah. Well, Heather, Absolutely. thank you again. This has been so much fun to see you and to hear your story. And we are really um, we're grateful to you. And I'm so excited for your sabbatical. I hope you're going to have you. lots of fun on the road. Yeah, I hope you have a way to sneak back to Albuquerque for that little mini reunion. That would be great to see you. (laughs) I know, I will try. I will definitely try. I love seeing everybody. It's a highlight of those reunions. So I I will try and make it happen. Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion is written, directed, and edited by Carla Silver and Jessica Slade. Our theme music, True Sight, is by Jared Matt Greenberg. Please subscribe and listen on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.